said this morning that uh, right from the outset, I have to confess that, that this parable that we've just read, that, that, that Jesus told, is one that has mystified me for, for, for many years. And um, if this morning's parable was kind of confusing enough at, at first reading, but hopefully not by the end, they then thought of this one. I guess that, that like most of you, I like a good bargain. I, I like to kind of think that due to my, my sales um, background, I'm able to strike a decent deal. Um, my, my daughter's going to buy a car, ask me to go with her, and end up quite embarrassed, but I'm very thankful that we end up getting a far better deal than we would have got if we went their own. And so the idea of kind of someone getting a discount for, for settling up early is something that appeals to me. However, or more than slightly, is Jesus' statement at the end of verse 8 and on into verse 9, where Jesus is saying, For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of light, I tell you. Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. So, we'll split up in a small group. <laughs> and for ten, this kind of feeling and dealing. And how can we, how should we use whatever worldly wealth we have to gain friends? With this parable, and, and again, please discuss it with me afterwards or at some time, but, but there appears to be kind of no real direct link with, with what is going on before. Where we're in, in, in verse 15, sorry, chapter 15, we have the parables of, of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and, and, and the lost son, or the prodigal son. And, and kind of the, the only kind of link that I could find is in the use of the word in verse 2, where, where, where the manager is accused of wasting the possessions of his boss. The word that is used there is, is the same term that is used to describe the prodigal squandering in chapter 15, verse 13. And another point that I believe to, to be vital in trying to understand this parable is to notice carefully that Jesus is teaching it, he is telling it, and, and, and Luke clearly makes this point. Verse 1, he is telling his disciples this parable. And although that probably included more than the 12, nonetheless it would seem that this parable is for the followers of Jesus Christ. Firstly, three things. Firstly, we read of a calling to account. There is a rich man who, uh, like many rich men, employs a manager to, to, to look after his business. And, and we are told that the manager was accused of wasting his possessions. And so the boss wants to do an audit of the books and he calls in the manager, and he asks, not necessarily for us. 
but rather mismanagement. But kind of whatever. He is called in to give an account of what he has done with what he has been given, of what he was in charge of. Here is a man who has been entrusted with much. But what he has been entrusted with, if you like, is not his own. He is merely a steward of it. And he was therefore expected to handle whatever he had, however much it was, properly for his master. And we're not told what happened. We're not even told how the boss found out. But find out he did. And now the day of reckoning has come. And as we kind of think on just even this simplistic part of the parable, doesn't it call us, brothers and sisters, to kind of examine ourselves? For we are today disciples of Jesus. And how is our stewardship? You see, what we have been given is not really our own. God has blessed us in many, many ways. Some more than others, but that's the way that God and his sovereignty works. He has, as it were, put us in charge, or at least given us many things. And the question is, how are we using them? Because you see, one day, we too will have to give an account. One day, we will stand before God and we will give an account for everything that we've done and what we've done with what we have been given. It's nothing at all to do with our salvation. Our salvation is safe and secure, but we still have to give an account to God of what we've done with what we've been given. And while it is true that we may not be, at least hope not, as with this manager kind of wasting or mismanaging, does it not do as well from time to time to just stop and to stop that which God has done for us? Whether that be our time, time God seems to our resources what are we using them for what about our gifts and our abilities are we just kind of lying there idle or do we need to fit in a bit with this morning are we using them out in God's vineyard all that we have is from God and we must be careful how we use it. This manager was not, and, 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 and he was now having to give an account for it. And he realizes that actually he's in a pretty serious situation. He's about, he 
was about to lose his job. And he was not strong enough to either turn to manual labor and he was to cry to beg. We see, and not only according to things, we see that he had a plan of action. What he is doing here, and as much as I can understand his father, what he is doing here is preparing for the future. Very soon he's going to need help because very soon he's going to be out of work and, 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 and there was no kind of unemployment benefit or anything in these days. He needed help. And verse 4 makes that clear. And in verses 5 to 8, we're told what he did. He gets the debtors together. And I, I happen to think that the two debtors that we are introduced to were just kind of two of many. And he gives to these two debtors, if you like, as long as they settle quickly, which is not unknown today. You get a bank loan from the banker and that's where it kicks in. I kind of see where he's coming from. And I also see the benefit to those who set themselves well. They come and save 50%. Yet, was it for him to do this. It wasn't it wasn't him who was owed the money. And yet what we find is the boss commended him for being shrewd. But then Jesus tells us to apparently quite puzzling things. The first we, in the main, probably get and, and, and agree with where, where Jesus says the people of this world as opposed to kingdom people, and remember Jesus is speaking to kingdom people here, but, but the, the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are people of the light. Kind of paraphrase what we've seen here, but Jesus is saying uh, non-Christians are more shrewd in dealing with non-Christians than Christians that kind of basic word should be our guide. But what of this now? This is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you will be renting into eternal darkness. Now, we, we need to grasp that the dishonest man or the shrewd has been praised not for dishonesty, but for his shrewdness. And particularly for his shrewdness in planning ahead for the future. Now, now again, a little background help may prove helpful because some of the, 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 the scholars tell us that it was not uncommon in, in this situation to, to reduce what was owed 
particularly if there had been kind of unfavourable weather conditions that affected the harvest. So what is this all about? There is also the thought, again, in, 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 in more than, than, than one commentary, that perhaps what the manager was doing was forgoing some of his commission. And if we take that, then that would illustrate what Jesus' point is, that we are to use the resources that God has given us wisely. It also means that Jesus is not using an example of dishonesty or how to be honest. However we think, whatever the situation was, it is that statement by Jesus in verse 9, I'm honestly considered. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends. So that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal joy. This steward knew that there was nothing that he could do about the past. But he could prepare for the future. And it is really important that we see, as I said, Jesus does not commend him for irony. We are not as kingdom people. We are not as disciples of Jesus to be saying that what Jesus is saying is that, that worldly people, they show more, um, more astuteness, more, more, more shrewdness that they make the most of opportunities more than the people of the light, Jesus' disciples do, especially in the legends of Daniel. What way are you using your wealth to prepare for the future? Think deeply on that. And what Jesus wants us as his disciples to do, as kingdom people, as people of the light, is to make the most of opportunities that we have. Using, if you like, what wealth we have. How can we do that? Well, we can help to support us as his disciples, as children of the light, to make provision for each other, not just for ourselves. That's important, of course, it is. But I think here there is a call to help through our wealth, our work, and the support of the lost ones. Who knows if that support you gave, if that enabled a Bible to be bought in some far-off country, or that mission that you faithfully support not just with your prayers, which of course is important, but also with your finance, which is important. Are we using our wealth to further the kingdom? And we need to be wise in how we do it and who we support. We need to even be, dare I say, shrewd. I get phone calls, emails, letters through the door and into my email box just about every day from all kinds of different Christian organizations and maybe not Christian organizations. 
Washington for me. You need to be sure. Because you see, one day, kind of like for me, Dr. Walker, I think Jackie put it to one day, Lord, when he Chris, yes. Use her well. Use her in the nation. To make friends. Friends that you might never meet when you get to glory. Praying that we're comfortable. And then when Christopher awakes, we welcome into eternal glory. You see, friends, we all have a responsibility. We will all give an account for what we've had and what we have done for the Lord. May we be shrewd, as it were, and use it to build the kingdom. And Tom Cooper makes a point of this. He says, would that all true believers were as clever in spiritual matters as this steward was in hygiene This steward had a plan of action. He knew what he needed to do regarding the future and he did it. May we be as wise and not just in our financial decisions, but more so in our spiritual decisions. Father, I don't hear a thing that we consider wrong. Anyway, we notice how he was trustful and serving. He first speaks of who can and cannot be trusted. And is basically saying, if you can be trusted with little, then you can't be trusted with much. And if you are dishonest with little, you will be dishonest with much. You see that in the, in the world today, don't you? And likewise, in regards to property, if you can't be trusted with someone else's, then you're your own. You see, all of this boils down, brothers and sisters, to a matter of character. Indeed, a matter of your heart. You are either trustworthy or you're not. You're either honest or you're not. You're either true to your word or you're not. And as children of the light, we are to be. And notice the spiritual aspect when Jesus says, if you can't be trusted with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Can God trust us with what we are so generously and graciously given? Can God trust us with the opportunities that we find ourselves. And are we using the resources that we have, the assets that we have, call them what you may, are we using them for selfish gain? Subject of questions are very clearly written. Lack 
thing because very often it can bring us into conflict. And if we are not careful, it can be the thing that controls our very life. Now, now of course, you can't kind of really live without it. That's not what Jesus is saying, and neither is Jesus saying that it's wrong to be wealthy. It is our response. It is our stewardship. Are we sure? Are we using it for kingdom? Because you see, Jesus is clear here. Probably the clearest bit of the parable that I've got. You cannot serve two masters. Are you mastering your wealth? Or is your wealth mastering you? Because Jesus is clear, isn't he? Verse 13. You cannot serve two two masters. I believe that this is a call, and remember Jesus is speaking to his disciples. This is a call to be wholly devoted to put him first in everything, in every aspect of our life. I said before, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord of anything. And that includes being Lord of our thinking and of everything that we do. See, Jesus, the words that Jesus uses here in verse 13 are very similar to the same words that he uses in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 24. And in Matthew 6, 24, it's like the, the Sermon on Death of Praise, there he uses them in the context of storing up treasure in heaven. And that's what he's talking about here. Investing in kingdom things. I found it interesting as I was trying to get my head around this parable and very challenging to see what Jesus, notice what Jesus says in verse 13. Jesus doesn't say, he does not say you must not serve both God and money. That that would be a command. And and, and maybe we would get that. But notice what he says. He says you cannot. You cannot. It can't be done. It cannot be done. It is impossible. matter of possessions, wealth and money. Think on Ananias and Sapphira. Think on Judas for 30 pieces of silver. Wealth got the better of them and they paid the ultimate price. this short series many of the parables are kind of rediscovered I think many of them are to do with kingdom living and they all present do they not real challenging words that call for action 
it too. Probably forget as we do forget. To care for our enemies. To be ready not to rely on weapons and fear. To use what wealth you have wisely, shrewdly, for the kingdom and to give full as disciples of Jesus we have the greatest of all treasures we have what no amount of money can buy we have that which is priceless I remember I've shared this and I apologise but I remember when family we lived in Frodo difficult times I was being made unemployed and I was out of work for the best part of a year I remember sitting in a church one day and someone saying you don't know Jesus then you do there was someone over there and if you don't know what Jesus is all you just as we were thinking this morning on giving of our time and our talents but for our days for our lives and when we grasp that Jesus is that penny of greatness then we will be willing to open up our hearts and our wallets and whatever the task may be which will be willing to give to Jesus and all for his 